Today, you are going to be hearing a sermon from one of our ministers here on staff. We hope this word blesses you, and remember that we love and appreciate your time here. Now, let's hear what the Lord has for you today. How many ready for conference? Amen. If you're taking notes, uh, I titled this, Are You Ready? That's our conference theme, question mark. Then, don't settle. If you're ready, then don't settle. We're going to be reading out of Genesis chapter 11, verses 27 and 28. And then we're going to jump to verse 31 and 32. And it reads like this. This is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram. Nahor and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot, verse 28. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur, and it says, in the land of his birth. Now, verse 31, Terah took his son, Abraham, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, remember, Haran passed away, and his daughter-in-law, Sarah, the wife of his son Abraham, and together they set out from Ur, it says, to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Verse 32, Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, God. Lord, I pray I step aside, God, and give you liberty to flow through me this morning, God. Holy Spirit, we ask you to do what you need to do in our lives this morning, that we will not settle in the place that we are in, but we want everything you have for our lives. Holy Spirit, I pray you continue to encourage, uplift, correct, my God. Whatever you need to do, we ask you to do it right now, God. We take limits off of what you're going to do at this altar call, God. And we're careful to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. And everyone said... Amen and amen. Here we have the story. They, they were supposed to go to Canaan, but as Bible says that they settled in Haran. Haran was the halfway point. But the Bible also says when they settled there that he died. How many know when we settle, we die spiritually? Some of us may be here at a point this morning where we know God wants more from our life, but you're settling. He wants more prayer from you, but you're settling for the five, ten minutes. He wants you to read more of your word, but you're settling for the same chapter and the same verse you've been reading for the last 20 years. He wants you to volunteer in your church for you can develop and he can shape and mold you to become the leader, the pastor, the evangelist that he's called you to be. But you settled. It's getting quiet in here, huh? They were in Haran 15 years when he died. That's a long time to settle. So here the story comes on. They're in Ur and Terah's son, Terah was the dad, he dies there. So they set out to Canaan and at the halfway point came to the city named Haran and they settled there. They didn't get to Canaan. I mean, no, every one of us here has a promise of God. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you you got a promise from God. Whether you realize it or not, you got a promise from God. 
And here their promise was to go to Canaan, but they settled halfway there. How many know this journey that we're on sometimes can be difficult? This journey that we're on sometimes can be discouraging. This journey that we're on sometimes we feel like throwing in the towel. But I want to encourage you this morning. Don't settle for where you're at. God has more for your life. He set out to lead his family, Terah did, to Canaan. They got halfway in the land. Haran was a land of comfort. If you, if you study the times, they were well off. They had a lot of stuff. So when he got there, he probably intentioned, well, I want to go to Canaan because that's where God sent me. But, man, everything here right now is going good. Some of you, man, you, you, you got a, a great job, and, and God is going to call you to full-time ministry. So don't settle. Getting quiet, huh? Some of you, your heart started pounding real quick. The halfway point, let me ask you a question. Where are you living right now? Are you living in Hera? What is stopping you from your promise? And here, some may be here and you're waiting for your breakthrough, but you settled in Haran. You are at the halfway point of your breakthrough, but you're not going to get your breakthrough until you get out of the comfort zone. You can come to church every weekend, every Thursday, every opportunity you have, but you're settling and you're wondering why you have not received your breakthrough. A place of comfort. See, what I have learned serving the Lord for over 41 years is that comfort never leads us to our calling. Comfort never leads us to our calling. It always leads us to a different road. That's why some of you are here, and when you first heard about the call of God, you were excited. God, I'll do whatever it takes. But now in the journey, you're at the halfway point, and you're saying, oh, I don't know. God, maybe you made a mistake. I'm all messed up. I can't get it together. God, you picked the wrong person. It was the person next to me. And the Holy Spirit says, no, I don't make mistakes. I chose you. Yes. Comfort gets you to quit at the halfway point instead of the finish line. How I many know comfort will kill our passion? Man, before you had a passion for God, whenever the doors opened, you were here. But now all of a sudden, if your team is playing, you're, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to know the Lord wants us to press through the heron-type situations in our life because everybody has a heron in their life. That, that's a stopping point. That's where it seems okay. I couldn't stay here. I'm in church. I'm, I'm paying my tithes, amen. I'm being faithful. But God is saying, I, I, I called you for more. I called you to take a city. I called you to go to a foreign land. I called you to usher. I called you to volunteer. I called you to watch the kids. But you settled. Heron was meant to be a resting place, not a place to settle. At some point, you're meant to leave Heron. Some of you are right here, and, and this message is making you uncomfortable because you're comfortable. I don't want to go do that again. I did it once, and man, uh-uh. Terah came to Heron, and he settled there. But if you read one translation, it says, Terah settled and he died. That says a lot. I mean, when we settle, we die spiritually. 
You may be here physically and you look good, but inside you're dead because you settled and you're waiting for a breakthrough and you're wondering why it hasn't happened. God is saying, because you got to get out of the comfort. You got to get out of Heron and go to Canaan, the land of promise. See, the land of the familiar. I mean, the Israelites, they, they went there and they went to the promised land. And then what happened? They seen everything overwhelming, but then they came back and fear struck them. They were like, God, this is impossible. And then they started saying it was better for us to stay as slaves than to come to the desert to die. What happened? God was trying to take them to an unfamiliar ground, and they were too comfortable with the familiar. And a lot of times we do the same thing. If you're going to fulfill your destiny, you're going to have to overcome the fear of moving forward into the unknown, your fear of leaving comfort and experience at times of discomfort in your journey. Because how many know this journey you're going to feel uncomfortable because God starts pulling things from us because it starts shaping us and he starts forming us for whatever our future is. And a lot of times we don't understand that. God, why do you have me here in the children's ministry? Because he wants to teach you how to receive love. Because you've been hurt so much your whole life. And if people, adults try to come around you, you have your wall up. But when you go in the children's ministry, watch the kids, you know they can't hurt you because you, boom, they're out, you know. <laughs> And, and, and what happens then? What happens is they start loving you and God is showing you a type of love where you let your guard down. Then God says, my love is even better than that. But if you would have never volunteered in the children's ministry, you won't experience love. You have to determine in your heart and mind the comfort zone is unacceptable for you. If you can't, you'll find yourself a prisoner of your own comforts. What stops us from pursuing God's promise? I'm going to bring out four points, but before I do that, I want to read a scripture. This is free 99. Acts chapter 7, verse 2 and 4. I'm going to read out of the NLT. It says, this was Stephen's reply. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham. It says, before he settled in Haran. God told him, leave your native land and your relatives and come to the land that I will show you. So Abraham left the land and says, and lived in Haran until his father died. Then God brought him here to the land where you live now. So what does this tell us? That before Abraham settled, God spoke to him. God told him, don't settle. I got something great for you, amen? But sometimes in the process of things that are happening, and he was here, and he was like, man, I'm going to stay here. And God says, I spoke to you before. Yes. How many times does God got to speak to us? How many know that you can have the call of God, you can have a word from God, but you still need a pursuit, amen? You still need perseverance. You still need tenacity that says, it doesn't matter what comes my way, I'm still going to keep going forward for the Lord. You can be called, but that by itself doesn't open the doors to your promise. You still need an unwavering obedience, amen? No matter what I'm facing or going through, I'm going to keep going forward. See, Abraham was on a journey, but he wasn't on the right journey now. The Lord spoke to him before, don't settle. How many know the Holy Spirit will tell us that? Don't settle. 
Some of us think like, man, okay, God, that's it. You made it. God said, no, don't settle. You're, you're on the journey, but get back on the right track. Amen. Get back on the right journey. He had already heard from God, but he still chose to settle. Isn't that the way it is? We come to church. We hear a word from the Lord. Amen. You're at home. God speaks to you, our pastor, the leadership, and we still choose to settle. I mean, you know, you can't settle in a place that wasn't meant for you. Four things that stop us from getting to Canaan or getting your promise. Number one, you. Look at your neighbor and tell him he's talking to me now. Some of you thought he says he's talking to you, huh? How many know you're the biggest critic? You're the biggest critic. God, you can't use me. Uh, look at my past. How many know you're your worst hater? Right? How many of you looked in the mirror extra long this morning and you still didn't like the way you looked? <laughs> Sometimes we're our worst critic. See, there's the enemy and then there's the inner me. Some of you will get that on the way home. There's the enemy, and then there's the inner me, that, that voice inside of me. And, and sometimes they both sound familiar. Sometimes they both speak lies. When I got saved, they told me you had to call a God in your life. And I'm like, no, you tell everybody that. You're the pastor. That's your job. And then as I started getting more a hold of God, my flesh would tell me, you can't even speak right or, or spoke right. You don't have an education. You dropped out. I mean, you, you're all messed up, man. Your whole life you've been burned. You've been hurt. And, man, all you're going to do is mess up here. I was my biggest critic. And I would listen to myself and i say, you're right. I'm not going to volunteer. God... You made a mistake. Some of you think like that about yourself. You don't think that you're good enough. Amen. But that's why God saved us. The Bible says he chose the what? The foolish things of the world. What? To confound the wise. Look at your neighbor. Don't they look foolish? You have to stop allowing yourself to believe what people say. Sometimes we listen to everybody around us in the family that are mad because we're serving the Lord. All you do is go to church. What about your family? And then when it gets hard, you start thinking about, oh, you're right. You're right. You start listening to that inner voice. Or, or maybe you're here and raising a family. Or, or maybe your marriage is on the rocks. And you say, that's the way it's always going to be. God uses my marriage as an example what not to be. How many know people believe that? When I had a Bible study in East L.A. at Maravilla Projects, I had a host. And one day they told me that. We're always going to struggle. Maybe God's using that to show everybody what not to be. And I told him, that's a lie from the pits of hell, amen. Your marriage may be on rocks right now, but the good thing, it can get better if you want it to get better. You may be a single parent here and think you're not doing a good job. All God requires is for you to do your best, and he will do the rest. But a lot of times we listen to that voice inside that says, we're not good enough. Tell your neighbor, God chose you. 
so you're good enough. Sometimes we listen to the voice inside and it messes us up. At some point, you're going to have to say, Lord, I'm chasing after you, but I struggle with me. I want you so bad, God, but I listen to that voice inside. I want us to go to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25 and 27. This scripture tells us what our responsibility is. It says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Verse 26, mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Verse 27, don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Three times it says yours. He's personalizing it. You. Amen. This tells us three things. The first thing is you have to look straight ahead. He says, fix your eyes. If you don't like what you're looking at, amen, it's you that's looking at it. You can't blame your computer. Oh, how did that come out here? You can't blame others. You have to blame yourself. He says, look straight ahead, amen, and, and he says, and fix your eyes. How many know our eyes will get us in trouble, right? Wandering eyes. Some of your eyes right now are on the football game. Hello, somebody, amen. <laughs> the second thing it brings out is mark out a straight path for your feet, and he says, stay on the safe path. If you don't like the path that you're on, it's not anybody else's fault but yours, Mark your path. You chose to go down that road. You chose to do what you did. And then you get mad at everybody else. Getting quiet in this holy place, huh? Third thing, then it says, don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. See, this is a responsibility we have that comes by living by faith. It's our responsibility to stay on the, on the right path, amen? It's not up to the Lord. We have a personal responsibility for our character, for our integrity, for how you treat people. It's our, our obedience that will open the doors for that. We're responsible for our choice. He's given us a free will, right? A free will. Free willy. Amen. No, I'm just joking. He's given us a free will. Amen. And that free will, he allows us to make choices. And sometimes we don't make the right choices. How many know your obedience is connected to what comes next? Your obedience is connected to opportunity. So there's a personal level of responsibility that you have to take. Only you are in charge of your decisions. Making right choices brings a liberty in our life. It brings a freedom. There's places you need to decide not to go, and there's some things that you have to decide not to do in order to move forward. It's your choice. We can be in church, but then when we leave, we start making wrong choices. It's up to me and you to not get sidetracked. Don't settle in heron. Know who you are. John 1.12 says you're a child of God. I mean, no, that's good news for us. In the world before, we were nobodies. We were all messed up. Society looked at us and said, you're never going to become somebody. But when we gave our life to the Lord, now he says, you are my child. Amen. You are royalty. You are special. You got purpose. We've been justified. Romans 5.1. 
justified in the Lord our sins no more. The Bible says God throws them in the ocean and doesn't bring them up no more. If he doesn't bring them up, why do we keep bringing them up? Oh, but you don't know I'm all messed up, God. So I know you were all messed up. That's why I sent my son to die for you, because you were all messed up. But now that you got saved, I've given you everything you need to get to Canaan. Why are you settling here? Ephesians 1, 4 and 11 says we were chosen before the creation of the world. Before you were born, he thought about you. And when somebody thinks about you, it means you're special. You're special. Maybe you needed to hear that today. You are special. Ephesians 1.5, you are adopted as a child. We're adopted. Amen. We're a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Colossians 1.13, you have been delivered. How I many know you're not a dope fiend no more? Right? Well, some of you got excited. Some of you are like, wow, you don't know what I do in the side, you know? <laughs> Romans 8, 2 says you are set free. You know what set free means? That we're not bound by our, by our past anymore. Now we're set free in the liberty of Christ, so we're able to do what he's called us to do. <laughs> Ephesians 2, 14 says you have pass. You have peace, excuse me. You have peace. Ephesians 2.18, you have access to the Father. Whenever we're going, we're praising the Lord, we have access. But how many know when we're in the valley, we got access too? We got access. That means he gives us permission. He's given us authority to call on him. When's the last time you called on him? So the first reason why we settle is because of you. You can blame everybody else. I would have got involved, but I don't like that leader. Why did you speak to him? He spoke to me real hard, and man, he hurt my feelings, so I'm not going to get involved. Sissy. Right? When, the, when your, your dope dealer was rough with you, you didn't get hurt. You stood there still. Well, I still want it. Amen. When can we meet? But now we come to church. You heard me say it all the time. We get saved, we get sanctified, and we get sissified. The second thing that has a settle is the people. How many know people will pull you away from the call of God? When you look at here in verse 31, it says, Terah took his son Abraham. He didn't ask Abraham, hey, you want to come with me? He took him. And people will draw us away from the call of God if we allow him to. God wanted to take him one way, but Terah was pulling him the other way. You know, Terah means delay. It means delay. So we can say it like this. Delay took Abraham. God called him, but delay took him. So if we want to bring it down to today's terms, we can say he went to church but everything in his life was still on pause. Every blessing was still on hold because he did not end up where God wanted him at. He settled. I wonder where you're at this morning. Maybe people have told and they're pulling you away. You ain't got to be so committed. Why do you got to give your money? 
You ain't got to give all that. Just tell them this was 10% and cut it short. Now you're lying. Why you always talk about money? Because it takes money for everything. See, when we allow ourselves to be taken by people's attitudes or atmospheres that are not of God, we'll experience a delay of God's promises in our life. Abraham was supposed to go to Canaan, but he was 15 years there in delay because he let people keep him there. Some of your friends can't go with you to the next level, so you got to move on. Oh, but you don't understand. They're my BFF. You're going to be your BFF and you're going to mess, mess, up, mess out on everything God has for your life. Because you can't, it, not everybody's called to go with us to the next level. And then when you go to the next level, they start saying, oh, now you think you're all holy. No, I know I'm called. I know I can't waste time. Every time I'm with you, I get in the flesh. Every time with you, I forget about God's promise. Let him go. Let me ask you a question. What has taken you from pursuing God? Because whatever has a hold on you is leading you. And whatever is leading you is making the decisions for you. Maybe it's depression. It starts to make decisions on your behalf. You're depressed. I'm not going to go to church today. So what happens? You stay home. Then when you stay home, you get more depressed. I mean, if you're depressed, you need to be in church. How many could say amen? You need to be where God is moving, where worship is moving, where you can lift your hands up and say, God, I, I came in with all this weight, but I'm going to let it go. Maybe it's insecurity. You're trying to get validation from places that are temporary, and you wake up with insecurity. Now insecurity starts making decisions for you. Oh, they didn't like me at that church, so I'm going to go find another church. All because you're insecure. You look at Facebook, uh, Facebook to see how many likes you have. Oh, they didn't like me. How come they like them more? You're insecure. And how many know those things are opposite? Because sometimes we're insecure. We want to serve God. They're totally opposite things, man. When you serve God, you're going to be secure in Christ. Amen. Don't let a person take you out of what God has called you to do. We cannot connect our lives, amen, uh, to them because that will keep us in a place where we settle. Because you keep hearing. Whatever voice you're hearing, eventually is going to grow roots. So every time you go around them, they say, you ain't got to be committed you're watering those roots. And when those roots get strong enough, you're going to say, that's right, I don't have to. That was for them, not for me. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And so here it's saying, let every weight... Let me know that weight can hold us down. You can be here today and you look good on the outside, but you have that weight. That weight can be connected to people in your past. That weight can be connected to those things that you haven't let go, what God is saying to let go. That weight can be you thinking that you're not good enough. And every time you try to go forward, that weight holds you back. And, and, and you come to church, but when you go back home, you get, go back to that weight. It's time to let the weight go. How many could say Amen. The third thing, the dry place. Heron means the dry place. How many of you know at some point in your life you'll battle dryness? 
At some point, don't matter how long you've been saved, how little you've been saved, you will experience dryness in your life. There have been times where I've been dry and I'm like, man, forget it, I'm done. And, and, but then you, you, all of a sudden, discipline kicks in. You say, I can't quit. I'm dry, but I need to be in church. Some of you are here and you're dry. I hear a lot of people say, I want the fire back that I had before when I first got saved. How many know you're not going to get that fire back? I got news for you. You're not going to get that fire back. God wants to give you a new fire. But a lot of us keep looking to the old fire and God is saying, no, I want to give you a new fire. As long as you stay in a place where you want to get what you used to have, you will never get the new that you're supposed to have. God wants to give you a new fire, but we want to go back, amen, to that same song, that same CD, put it on, get goosebumps and wonder why the fire is not coming. That fire was meant for then. God wants to give you something for now. Your past is not the answer to your future. Your best encounter with God is not in the past. He wants to reveal himself in a way you have never experienced in your life. It says when they got a heron, they got to a dry place and stopped. I mean, when you're in a dry place, you stop listening to God. Before, man, yes, God. Now you're dry. You can't even recognize whose voice it is. You're listening to yourself. It's okay to have that relationship. Why? Because you're dry. It's okay to drink that beer. It's only 1% alcohol. (laughs) Right? It's okay to smoke weed. It's legal. Why? Because you're dry. You stop listening to God. When you're dry, how many know you question everything? God says, you're going. How am I going to get there? Or where's the money going to come from? What's this going to happen? And oh, because you're dry. When you're on fire for God, whatever he says, you move, you're gone. Okay, that's it, God. You'll provide. But when you're you're dry, all of a sudden you question everything. Why God a tithe? Why you want my money? We don't want your money. The Lord wants your obedience. What did you do with the money I gave? What, the $10 you gave last year? When you're dry, you don't like moving forward. When you're dry, you stop pursuing the call of God. You stop. Oh, I can't do it. Look at me. I'm on the borderline. I'm walking on the edge right now. And I don't know if I want to be saved or if I want to follow God because you're dry. I mean, when you're dry, you tell yourself you're too busy to volunteer. I mean, no, we need volunteers. The children. We need volunteers, leaders to rise up. Where's the next generation that's preaching, that's doing ministry? Think about that. Who are we going to hand the baton to? Some of you are like, well, I'm dry. I'm just coming to church because that's all I know. They brought me to church as a kid, and that's all I know. There's more for you. We have too many Christians that are dry or not doing anything to get out. When you're dry, you begin to distance yourself from the things of God that you put away everything that matters. You lost the passion to do anything for God because you're dry. Look at the person next to you. No, I'm just joking. Some of you are already looking, huh? You're quick, man. 
I got good news for us, though. When you're the driest, how many know you're the most flammable? I said, when something is the driest, it'll catch on fire just like that. That's good news for you. That's good news for me that we know whenever we're dry at the driest, we're the most flammable. The Holy Spirit wants to light you up like never before. Abram had a word from God, but he settled in a dry place. When he was in a dry place, he was waiting for a new word from God. But he already had a word from God. That's what we do when we're dry. Okay, God, well, give me a word, another word. God said, I already gave you a word over here, and you didn't do nothing with it. Some of you are in a dry place, and you're waiting for the second word, and God said, I'm not going to give you another word until you do what I told you to do. It's amazing that when we're in a dry place, we want a new word from God, but we won't do the last one that he gave us. God is trying to wake you up in the dry place. If you feel dry, keep pressing through because, I mean, just like that, you can get fired up again. Amen? My last point is the painful place. This is where it's going to get serious. How many know pain cripples you faster than anything else? Pain does. Terah takes Abraham and stops in Haran. Terah's, Terah's son, his name was Haran. The city Haran was a two R's. His son was with one R. Haran died and they were taking him. They wanted to go to Canaan, but, but Terah, he probably said, let's make a fresh start. They moved on. But then he stops in Haran, the city. I want us to think out of the box, amen, because sometimes it's good to just think out of the box. Is it possible that he stopped in Haran because he was stopping at the greatest uh, place of his pain? His son was Haran. He died. He lost him. He was in pain. And when he got to the city, Haran, he stopped. The greatest place of his pain. When he stopped in Haran, all he saw was memories of his sons, the hurts, the wounds. He allowed himself to die instead of heal. Too many of us, we got pain from the past, amen. We got pain from uh, doing ministry. We got pain from people hurting us. And we want to settle because we can't let God heal us because we're stuck in the pain. It amazes me that he would stop at the place of his greatest pain. Maybe you're here and maybe you're watching. You can't get past the pain in your life because the moment you try, you remember everything that hurt you. How many of you know for healing to take place in an area of pain, you have to relive it sometimes. It's like a wound when it gets infected. You go to the doctor, what they, I'm gonna, I got to scrape it out. Oh, no, 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 forget you because you're a sissy, you know, it's like, you know. But then they scrape it out and it hurts twice as much. But the healing comes. There may be some here that are in so much pain. Every time you try to do a work for God, you look at your past failures. I messed up. And God said, I know you messed up, but I'm a God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances. Amen. And so what we got to do is say, God, I got to bring all that junk, all that pain. I don't know why you took them. I don't know why I lost them. I don't know why they hurt me. That's pain. And, and if you don't let God bring healing to that, to, to that pain, you're going to stay stuck in Haran. The halfway point. 
See, if he would have realized he wasn't meant to die in the midst of his greatest pain, he would have moved forward. Some of us, you're like, man, but God doesn't understand. God's not here. Many people think that the pain means God is absent. But pain is not God absent. It's God present. He's there with you in your pain. Does he understand pain? Yes. He sent his only son. Does the son understand pain? Yes. He gave your life for you and for me. We all know pain. We all could identify with pain. And how many know pain hurts? I remember when I lost my grandson. That was the worst part of my life. Was I hurt? Yes. Was I mad at God? Yes, for a little while. How could you do that? You should have took my life, not his. But then I had to say, God, you, you, you know everything, God. Amen. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God is saying, I know what you feel. I know they hurt you. But I also know what I called you to be. You're not a loser. You're not a mess up. I called you for more. I called you for greatness. I called you to take cities. I called you to, to be a, the, a, a, the best person there is in the church. Because you're giving everything. But you keep going back to the pain. His son's name was Haran. The city was named was Haran. When he got there, he had good intentions to go to Canaan. But he probably said, man, this pain is too hard. I can't move forward as everyone stands here this morning. Sometimes we think like that. God, I can't move forward. Because every one of us identifies with pain. And maybe some of you are here and you're stuck in that pain. And you're settling at the halfway point. You think God could never use you. Because of the mistakes you made or because of the things that were done to you. God knows. And he says, in spite of all that, I've called you. In spite of all that, I chose you. In spite of all that, I'm giving you everything you need to get to Canaan. Maybe you're here and you don't know the Lord. You walked away. Or maybe it's your first time here. I want to give you an opportunity to know the Lord. All, all that is is saying, God, I feel something pounding in my heart. That's the Holy Spirit. God, I, I, I tried everything on my own, God, but I'm here because nothing's going right. And if you say, I want to accept the Lord, just lift up your hands where you're at. That just means you want a relationship with him. I see those hands. Amen. I see that hand. Anyone else? We don't want to leave you out. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Wash me. Cleanse me. White as snow. From this day forward, I give my life to you. Strengthen me. Heal me of my pain. I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says, let's give him a hand clap. The Bible says that when one sinner repents, 
They rejoice in heaven, so they're having a party for you. Now I want to open it up to the, the whole church. Maybe you're here and you're, you're stopped in Heron, the halfway point. Maybe you're here and you're, it's you. You don't believe you're good enough. Everybody your whole life has put you down. God says.